Hello and welcome to the Secure Chat Podcast, presented by Archon. This is a whole new security podcast geared towards you, our trusted clients. Each episode, our security experts will explore pressing security news, from the latest malware threat to user errors and top risk management solutions. Tune in each month to learn more about data breaches, what they mean for your business, and how you can optimize your security strategy. I want security. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode four of the Secure Chat Podcast. Today we are going to be discussing a little topic called DRAS. And to help us talk about that, we have the hosts as always, Aaron and Derek. Aaron, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me back again. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good, right? We've been able to keep you. Derek, how are you doing today? Always great. Great to be back. Glad to be part of uh, the Archon podcast series. Yeah, you went from host to knowledgeable guest, stepping up in the world. I, I haven't even been able to make that transition yet. So today we have Derek on to to talk about DRAS and just kind of what it is, why is it important, any kind of relevant news with it. So to get started, DRAS being Disaster Recovery as a Service, Derek, do you want to give us just a brief overview of, of what it is? Yeah, sure. So you kind of nailed it. Here at Archon, we use platforms in the background. Um, it's a combination of platforms and people. Not everybody needs DRAS, uh, so to speak, but the ones that have critical infrastructure that require zero downtime, we're talking, um, and I'll back that up a little bit, you know, real tight RPOs, RTOs, recovery point objectives, meaning when in time are you trying to back up to and how long does that take? So how long is the RTO? Um, Those clients that require really tight, near zero downtime, those are the clients that are very interested in DRAS and specifically how does Archon roll out DRAS. Um, but with that, our, our main platform is Zerto. It's not the only, but it is definitely a leader in the market. Uh, we can get really granular. Uh, the compression rates between A and Z locations between moving data uh, is, is great. Uh, they're, always improvi- or <clears throat> they're always innovating every year with new, new features and, and sets. Uh, I would say that it's not as uh, it's not as affordable as simple backup uh, snapshots. But that being said, depending on how much it costs you to be down or your operations to be down, um, let's say you're in the food industry and you're making I don't know turkeys before Thanksgiving and you got to get everything uh, out to market. It's very very um, important that you you stay up and running in those critical. Uh, those critical months leading up to your your biggest windfall um, days of of being in business. Yeah, and I bet in the the time that you've worked with DRAS, have you had a lot of people that look at backups and DRAS as the same thing? Yes. And what is the difference between like backups (laughs) and DRAS? Yeah, so not just just clients, but for for a lot of new hires, they would just say, oh, they're the same thing. Uh, Yes and no. So backups, you're really just taking photos. So think of a backup is you've taken a picture with your camera and when you get home, you hit your Wi-Fi, it syncs up to the Google, you know, Google photos, Google drive or I, iCloud. Um, that would be more akin to backups. Now it's, it's a seamless process. It's a good way to get started in, in making sure that your data is protected properly. The biggest and most important thing is don't store your backups next to your primary. So if your primary storage is in a location, Make sure you're at least like 30 miles away from where you're sending those backups or else you're kind of defeating the purpose. 
Uh, we've heard some horror stories where someone's like, oh, I'm sending it to the different you know, data closet on the facility floor. Uh, you cut one wire, uh, fiber in and around your building, you lose power, all that stuff just goes away. So you have zero redundancy. So redundancy is huge. You want N plus one wherever possible, high availability wherever possible. But again, that all comes with the cost. Uh, with DRAS, you can get active-active. So between two sites, not just physical sites, but you can intertwine um, Azure, Azure West Coast, East Coast, uh, Central. You can start crisscrossing HA paths to make sure that if any one node goes down, path B, C, and D take up take up the, the lift. And with a little bit of work and some guidance from teams that are knowledgeable, you can actually be, be up and running within minutes uh, on the declaration of a, you know, of a downtime event. Uh, with the help of people like Archon properly managing things behind the scenes with IPs and other. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about just, <clears throat> I know uh, a lot of people see Azure as uh, initial uh, recovery sort of, or at least a place that, you know, we're, we're updating data to the cloud, we're uploading data to the cloud, and it's a quick way we can pull from. They have their own replications they have their own redundancies. If if one of their data centers goes down, the other one's supposed to pick it up, that type of thing. But you're also talking about more than just putting all the eggs in one basket. You're talking about spreading it out as much as possible, right? Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, we're we're really just talking about VMs. So VMs are, you know, they're connected to some kind of data store. Where does that data go? Because it's pretty easy just to attach with, you know, the right blueprint. Uh, like a VMDK file can turn up anywhere as long as you've got the resources to power it. Um, with Azure, you can get really granular. You can say, hey, I want geo-redundant, I want data center redundant. Um, they have availability zones, but it goes from literally probably, you know, call it a VM that's sitting somewhere in Azure on some floor to they'll give you the Chicago land area, and then you can upgrade that further to the Midwest, and you can upgrade that further to the US, and you can upgrade that. Um, into all regions except places I don't want to do business. So you can go from one to many pretty quickly in Azure. Really, the, the sky's the limit. And the bigger advantage to Azure is the scalability and burstability. So if you orchestrate things to turn off and on to meet um, nonlinear demands, massive advantages. It's not necessarily cheaper, and it's very expensive if you, do, if you don't do it right. But once you get to Azure, you can get into blob storage for archives, uh, blueprints for any kind of GDPR concerns on clients, say, uh, that have data laws that they've got to adhere to for compliance in Europe. A great example. That's all stuff that's baked into Azure that are, it's pretty quickly, you know, it, it's pretty easy for us to turn it on given the right roadmap shared. One thing I am interested in knowing is, so if, you know, if you have a client come to you that wants DRAS implemented and they do not have uh, any type of DRAS in place, what would be kind of the cookie cutter, how would you set it up uh, day one? So first we gotta know if they're virtualized. How, how much stuff is spitting bare metal? How much stuff's virtualized? Virtualization kinda changes the tool set a little bit, uh, but most players that used to only do bare metal are now kind of doing both. Um, specifically, when you start talking about virtualization, you can do a lot more things with that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of it starts with, are you virtualized? How much data do you have? What's critical? Everybody, where DRAS fails a lot, this is kind of a, the, the gotcha moment because everybody loves the idea of DRAS until you put a, a dollar value next to the solution. Everybody thinks that all their applications are critical. I would suggest going through your application set 
and tearing them out. Uh, why is that important? Because a lot of stuff that doesn't need to come back up within seconds under a DRAS model can simply be put into a, a more simplified cost-optimized model under just BCDR uh, using something. We, we use Veeam a lot in-house, but you don't need to throw everything into the like the Ferrari model. Sometimes you can just get on the bus to get to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in doing that, you can save that money for other areas where it's it's better spent. So definitely tier out your applications, stuff that can't go down, um, that drives production, for instance, with a lot of our customers, should be in the DRAS column. That being said, does email need to come up right away? Probably not, because a lot of times you could still pick up your phone, uh, texting. It's not ideal, but at the same time, what's what's the cost per you know hour that you're down? Um, a lot of times the model falls out of bed when you spend a little too much putting everything into that. Everything's critical, meaning nothing's critical at all, and the, the cost goes through the roof. Yeah, I was just going to say, when you when you talk about such a high level of um, production and things like that that have to be up and going 24-7 down to the second, you know, we've got businesses that are relying on a service that has to, you know, their business literally relies on the website or the server being up all the time. So if it goes down, they're losing millions of dollars. Yep. In a, in a matter of minutes, um, I, I do want to at least hit on that and like what kind of value does Arcon offer in that way to be able to help in those types of situations where, um, you know, there it literally is. I mean, life or death is the wrong word, but it's it's a big big deal. So I'll I'll actually I'll without naming any names I'll I'll bring it back to some of our clients that sit in retail. Uh, a lot of the clients in retail. They literally make or break their year on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, that's when the majority of their orders will come in online. So if you're not a brick and mortar store model like your Walmarts, Targets, um, stuff that you've, it's tough to even say what's left anymore after COVID. Uh, if you're if you're an online presence, and maybe you have a pop-up store like a Bonobos maybe or a Warby Parker to try on something. But for the most part, your clients are ordering online. You could literally lose 60% of your, your, your earnings uh, within that two-week window because that's when everybody's buying their, their gifts for Christmas shopping. They're maximizing all the coupons and promotions. So if you've spent all that work ramping up all your production, you, you've got a model of last year and you know that this year is going to be 1.25x of last year's manufacturing, you're ready to go. And then on the 11th hour, someone hacks your website or someone bumps something critical and takes out your ability to take orders from online clients. That is a game changer. Like you are, you are going to be lucky to be in business if you don't have really good insurance at that point. That is why DRAS is super, super important for clients like that because their whole order taking has been compressed into what is essentially the beginning of the retail season going into the holidays. And if you're not taking those orders, your clients are going to quickly go to your competitors and fulfill their orders. That's one thing I do kind of want to expand on because DRADS is a topic that I don't know much about, but through previous podcasts and just work experience, I do know a fair amount about backups. And typically when it comes to backups, every client should be doing backups. Uh, we want some type of redundancy in that way in place. But when it comes to DRADS, it seems like there is a type of client that should have DRADS and maybe a type of client that isn't 
to isn't you know cut out to have DRAS at this moment. So do you kind of have an outline of why you know when should a company start investing in DRAS? You know what is that line of you know you need it or you're not quite there? Yeah, a lot of startups are just constrained by budgets. So you'd love to have everything, but you can make do without it. And you know they will fly by their seat at times until they get public money through an IPO or, or go public. Um, that's just not an option. Uh, you could probably maybe put things into a nice to have, need to have and tackle it that way. Uh, but then you still gotta look at it like, okay, let's, let's just say you've, you're ransomware. That's that's another driver. Uh, we could probably go to the, the catalysts that are causing us to even have these conversations. Ransomware is not going away, it's growing. And if you're the low hanging fruit and you don't have the, the ability to recover from a backup, that makes the ransom demand that much harder for you to say no to because you don't have any other options other than maybe, I don't know, the FBI can figure Cultural it out. Biden. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how how effective those those um, investigations. Regardless, if you have a backup, it's mute because you say, great, you've crypto locked my primary. I'm spinning over to, I, we found out how you got in, by the way, which Archon does, does support SOC. SOC is really the SWAT team that comes in and says, hey, you left a vendor credential wide open that got compromised. We fixed the holes. We've you know, locked all the windows, all the side doors, back doors. You're good. You spin up back to um, your primary site, and then you tell the ransomware actor to go pound sand because it doesn't matter. It's kind of a headache, but it could be a lot worse. Um, that's one reason why backups do matter as a starting point. Um, and even then, you could probably put a couple VMs on DRAS that are critical for your web applications, your um, database servers, whatever's mission critical, find out what that is. And that's a great starting point. Uh, compliance is another driver. You might not have the option, whether you know it or not, uh, to do business with certain clients, they are going to require that you protect their information. Uh, so it's not even coming from compliance. Sometimes it's coming from your customer's compliance. And if you have a big name logo that you're serving, um, stay tuned when you start talking to their lawyers and their their handlers that deal might not go through if you're not meeting their compliance requirements and, and making sure that stuff that they're sending you let's just say you're you've got credit card information pa patient healthcare information all that stuff comes with its own uh controls in place and a lot of times backups are like number one and not to mention all the whole time we're talking about backups and DRAS. Sending these files offsite, they're always encrypted in transit and at rest. That's that's crucial um, because what's the point if you're not locking down the file where it sits? It's a good point. So basically, when it comes to DRAS, the the difference that it makes is the time that it takes to be up and running, like nothing happened. Yeah, and so, it, it's that's really it's it's a lot more complex model. Yeah, if done right, and cost is not necessarily a, a, an objection to your C-suite. You can get you can run active active models. You can run active passive models. So if the heartbeat from A gets lost, B spins up automatically. All this stuff can be orchestrated. Very, I would say, very easily. But it's not it's not anything we're not doing today for certain clients that require it. Yeah, can you give us just like a high level, <clears throat> maybe what you would tell a customer uh, type of infrastructure that Archon has in place because, you know, talking about a little bit about like some of our Z Cola locations and things like that, that would help in a situation like this or, um, you know, spell out a little bit of, of what that process looks like. Yeah. So kind of redundancy being the theme and what you're saying, 
uh, data centers became ubiquitous, I'd say, in 2005. In, in that, I mean tier three. A lot of people use, just like they say, backup and recovery, the same as DRAS. All data centers are not created equally, just the same. Specifically, you could save a data center and you could be running it out of your garage with uh, stolen power from your neighbor's house and a couple uh, swamp coolers buzzing away. Do you Is see it, that at my place? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? Yeah, I, need my, I need my swamp coolers back <laughs> for the, the local kids' t-ball team. It's really, uh, they've been sweating it out lately. It's definitely affecting the winds and loss column. Um, but what you're talking about is you're talking about data centers fall under a tiering system. So Archon specifically uses tier three data centers. Tier four, I think, includes SWAT, SWAT teams going around, but that's all for show. You really don't want anybody to know that a data center even exists. Just make it a big box in the middle of nowhere. If you're flying into O'Hare, you will see a ton of data centers spitting out um, coolant. Uh, it's basically steam from the cooling towers on your approach to O'Hare. And Elk Grove has like at least for the, the Midwest, some of the highest density data centers in the US, Ashburn and San Jose being the others. But you wanna put it where there's backups. Why do people put anything there? Well, your, your Fortune 500 companies are putting all their compute there for good reasons. You have redundant cooling, you have redundant power, you have, you have uh, let's just say there's a hurricane and trees have blown, all, you know, tornado comes through and trees are all over the road. After emergency services, data centers are like right below that as far as having the ability for um, special emergency services to clear the road. So diesel trucks can come in and re refuel uh, diesel generators to make sure everything's still powered in the data center if power was knocked out, which it likely is going to be. A lot of facilities built in Miami, for instance, are hurricane proof here. Not so much hurricane proof, but more maybe tornado proof. Uh, but that being said, you just assume, okay, what happens if I lose my data center? You have more than one data center. Archon has a data center presence um, both in Chicago and in Denver, but it's not limited to that. We have clients taking down data center, data center space in Europe as well. And really, you got to make sure that you're not in a tier one or a, a Corey special kind of spinning, spinning bare metal where someone bumps something and takes you out. Um, we still have a lot of clients that just consider an on-prem data center good enough until it's not. Uh, and it's really not because there's so many things that can go wrong. You get fiber cut in the middle of nowhere. There's, you know, you'll get redundant fiber and find out that it's actually the same service coming in with a white label on the secondary circuit. That's all stuff that will take you out. And if your business can't be taken down, then you really need to consider partnering with somebody that, that does this kind of in the big leagues. And so would you agree that the value in that scenario that we add is just a repeatable model of being able to do that quickly and efficiently for a current client or potential? Yeah. So our biggest advantage at Archon is our ability to handle scale with our Azure teams, but also steady state compute. Uh, the the bare metal models, they're not they're not going anywhere. If, if anything, they're consolidating under the big the big names. I mean, we use Databank slash Zayo, but you're talking about providers that you know, for the most part are tier three or better. And if you have a computer that's buzzing away at 95% uh, efficient every month, you're probably gonna save money having that in a traditional tier three data center versus Azure. Um, Azure really gives you gains when you turn things off and turn them up when needed uh, versus steady state compute. It might change in the future, I'm sure. They, they always gotta keep competitive with AWS and Google Cloud, but big picture, we can likely um, beat meet or beat pricing 
uh, on anything that's steady state. So your like Hadoop cluster would be a good example um, where you just kind of grow it out slowly over time versus having anything that's bursting for holiday sales uh, being the other that would fit in Azure. Gotcha. All right, Derek. So I want to talk a little bit about what the clients are asking and, you know, where, where the industry as a whole is kind of leaning in this area. Um, you know, what, what, what's everyone kind of looking for when they're thinking DRAS? The questions they're asking the teams that we work with, client-facing teams, primarily it's, it's ransomware related. If someone compromises my ability to operate, how do I recover? That's number one. It's, it's what keeps our clients up at night. Uh, but we still do get curveballs from time to time. Most recently, we had a deadline of one week uh, turnaround on a client request for compliance. And it was, it was actually, I think it was business related. They were about to sign a deal that was going to go away at the end of the year. Um, and if they, what they had to do is prove that they had uh, a DRAS plan in place. Well, we'd like to operate with a little bit more time than a week, but we going into the holiday season, last week of December, we were tagged to see if we could do this, which we could. Question was, could we do it fast, given that our, our bench was thin due, due to time off? We ended up uh, getting it done for the client uh, and crossing off all the boxes that their client requested and their insurance providers requested. And so we didn't win the business per se, uh, other, I mean, we won the DRAS business and they're, they're keeping it and they do, I think they do quarterly checks uh, now to prove failovers are successful. But bigger picture, we just helped our client land a client and Archon's always willing to do that. If we can help our clients land clients, it, it's a win-win for both Archon and our clients. And it just helps kind of grow that mutual collaboration amongst our teams. For sure. Yeah. When it comes to the client Archon interaction, we're truly all in this together. So the advantage it seems like we provide is that we have a repeatable model for, for all of this in place. We do. So in this specific client DRAS scenario, is that limited to just Chicago? Well, the client specifically had a, I believe, compute with us and most of their managed services with us in Chicago, but we really don't care. Um, we prefer to keep it on net with us at, you know, RVI is our Chicago Denver one-two punch. But in this case, we could actually take it to Azure anywhere that includes East Coast, West Coast, North. I think Azure has probably 20 points of presence now in the U.S. But that being said, even if you're a U.S. company doing business in Asia or Europe, we can do this same model just the same. Um, we can do A being U.S., B being Europe, or A, B, U.S., C, D, Europe, and have them kind of operate independently depending on how uh, compliance works with your data sovereignty laws. Doesn't matter. Long story short, doesn't matter. We can shape up the storage any way you need it. Uh, locations do not matter. Just give us, uh, just give us connectivity, and we're off and running. Awesome. Well, Derek, I appreciate you being on the on the show today and informing us on what DRAS is. It's a topic I was pretty limited on walking into this, but it's an interesting topic, and uh, I think you broke it down into a very consumable form. So definitely appreciate that. Yeah, and there's a lot, lot smarter guys at Arcom that can speak to this in deep, deep detail. So please engage us anytime you need to. And uh, special thanks to Danny for keeping the cameras off my face and my uh, farmer's tan I got from a uh, <laughs> recent ski trip. Yeah, and to go off of that, if there's anything uh, that you want to learn more about, always visit our website or, or just contact us personally. And it's a topic that we're more than happy to talk about and see how it can be useful for you. How do they do that? Just you gotta just call Danny. Just 
Just give Danny a call. Nah. <laughs> We're always happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, info at archon.com is a great way to start, and we'll get you sorted. Perfect. Aaron, always appreciate you making the trip in to uh, come co-host the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. And as always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you ever want to learn more, feel free to contact us. Like Derek said, go to info at archon.com or visit our website where you can see more information about this topic. And thank you to Danny. See you later. Thanks, everyone. Without it, I got a great love.